Amen. Praise God. I read a little, a little statement here by a, a child who, who said, I'm crazy about my mom because she helps me win the battle against germs. Isn't that nice? During this season of the year when many children are battling germs, and including my little uh, almost three-year-old granddaughter, I just uh, thought this is so appropriate. I'm crazy about my mom because she helps me win the battle against germs. Well, thank you, moms, for doing that. And uh, we dads help out in that respect, too, don't we, guys? All right. It was one of the ladies that responded there. That's good. All right. Thank you. Well, my friends, let's turn in our Holy Bible to the book of Genesis. And we're going to continue our series on Joseph. All right. Turn to Genesis chapter 37. Joseph plays a very important role in the history of Israel and in our whole Bible if you were to read the whole story, you would see he takes up a lot of chapters in the book of Genesis. I shared two previous messages with you uh, over the last few weeks. And let's turn again to Genesis 37 where it says, So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because of their father, because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. One night, Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field, tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundles stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream, and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream, he said. And they probably wanted to say, just shush up, will you? But anyway, he said, the sun, moon, and eleven stars bowed low before me. Verse 10, this time he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. Soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to pasture their father's flocks at Shechem, when they had been gone for some time, Jacob said to Joseph, Your brothers are pasturing the sheep at Shechem. Get ready and I will send you to them. I'm ready to go, Joseph replied. Go and see how your brothers and the flocks are getting along, Jacob said. 
Then come back and bring me a report. So Jacob sent him on his way, and Joseph traveled to Shechem from their home in the valley of Hebron. When he arrived there, a man from the area noticed him wandering around the countryside. What are you looking for? He asked. I'm looking for my brothers, Joseph replied. Do you know where they are pasturing their sheep? Yes, the man told him. They have moved on from here. But I heard them say, let's go on to Dothan. So Joseph followed his brothers to Dothan and found them there. Verse 18. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. Cistern was a pit. It was dried out uh, at that point, dried out. Um, sometimes when there were rains, it would fill up with water. But um, come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. But when Reuben heard of their scheme, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him, he said. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him into this empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then we'll die without, Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. Then they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we once again turn to this incredible life, uh, the life and story of Joseph, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would touch our hearts and impact us and affect us and, and uh, inspire us and correct us in the way that you want to do so. Let it be so, Lord. Let it be so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. My friends, as we consider the life and the story of, uh, of Joseph, the first truth I want to share with you today is, is this. Let's experience and enjoy victory over jealousy. Let's experience and enjoy victory over jealousy. This truth comes out in the whole story, especially in verses 18 to 20. Uh, you, you have to ask yourself, why, why would, why would the ten brothers be willing to kill their younger brother? I mean, this is crazy. Why would they want to kill their younger brother? He was uh, second youngest. And uh, the answer is, they were jealous. They were terribly jealous of Joseph. Uh, they were jealous for several reasons. One reason was because Joseph was their father's favorite son. Genesis 37 verse 4 says, But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. The father loved them more than the rest of them. And verse 3 tells us the father had a special beautiful, beautiful robe made for Joseph. One Bible commentator says, most robes were knee-length, short-sleeved, and plain. In contrast, Joseph's robe was probably of the kind worn by royalty, long-sleeved, ankle-length, and colorful. The robe became a symbol of Jacob's favoritism towards Joseph. 
and it aggravated the already strained relations between Joseph and his brothers. It was not right. It was not right for Joseph's father, whose name was Jacob, to show favoritism, but he did. And he's obviously a reminder to all of us parents and grandparents as to how not, not to parent our children, right? Furthermore, the brothers were also jealous because Joseph had told them about some dreams he had which said that one day Joseph would rule over his brothers. Genesis 37 verse 8 says, his brothers responded, so you think you will be our king? You'll be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? Yeah? And they hated him all the way, all the more, because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. And verse 11 Verse 11 says, but while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. Clearly, the Bible says they were jealous. And Joseph was only 17 years old when this happened, uh, when he had these dreams. Now, it's, it's very hard for me, and I'm sure it's very hard for you as well, to, to fully understand how most of Joseph's brothers became so jealous that they were willing to kill him, right? That's hard for you and me to understand. But it's a reminder, it's a reminder to us that jealousy can fuel up such terrible emotions which can lead to deadly results. It can happen. Listen to these Bible verses. Proverbs 27, verse 4. Anger is cruel and wrath is like a flood but jealousy is even more dangerous. Isn't that something? Think about it. Anger is cruel, Proverbs 27, verse 4. Anger is cruel and wrath is like a flood, but jealousy is even more dangerous. Probably never thought of that, did you? Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Love is not jealous. Galatians 5, 26. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. And James 3, 15 and 16 says, For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy, wow, listen to that. Wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. It's incredible, isn't it? So, so we have to say, Lord, because jealousy can be so negative and so terrible, as we see in the family of Joseph. How, how can we overcome? Are there some ways, some helps in overcoming jealousy? And it comes up in your life and mine in, in different ways, if we're honest about it. Here are, here, are some, here are some potential helps in overcoming jealousy. 
A, if you're making notes, remind yourself that you, yourself, are valuable and precious to God the way you are for who you are. All right? Sometimes this is what you and I have to do when, when, when thoughts and feelings of jealousy are coming up for whatever reasons. Say to yourself, hey, I am valuable and precious to God the way I, I am, and I don't, I, don't have to, I don't have to be jealous of that person. I, I don't have to be jealous of him or her, of them, whatever might be the case. Here's another suggestion that can help. B, don't, don't compare yourself to other people, all right? Don't compare, whether you're a man or a woman. There, there will always be someone who is smarter, who is more gifted, more handsome, or more beautiful, or more rich, more funny, or more successful, right? Don't, don't compare yourself to other people. That, that just usually gets, gets you into problems, upsetness, and sometimes jealousy, right? And by the way, husbands, 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 don't compare your income to your wife's. All right? If, if, if your wife, gentlemen, if your wife happens to earn more than you earn, don't be jealous about that. Rejoice and just say, sweetheart, I hope you get another promotion. I hope you get another raise. May your income double over mine. Praise God. Just give me the checks. Just give me the checks. Right? Okay? Yeah, I've learned over the years that in fact, if you read the research, you'll see, you'll see that, um, that uh, a lot of men get bugged if their wife earns more. And, and I want to say to them, you dummy? That, that's Greek for, uh, no, 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 it's just, you know, guys, if your wife happens to earn more, rejoice over it. All right? Rejoice. Be glad. And give God thanks for whatever your spouse might earn. All right. Here's another suggestion that can help you. Point C. Be grateful for what you have. Okay? Be grateful for what you have. That'll, that'll help avoid unnecessary jealousy. You know, if you spend time wishing you had what others have, you will be constantly jealous and unhappy. Isn't that true? Amen. Right? I'm glad we're on the same page here. Um, as, some of you, as some of you might know, especially in, in some states like, like Florida and Texas and Southern California, there are, there are a, a, a few churches, not many, but there are a few churches 
that, that have grown to 5,000 people, 10,000, 20,000, and I think even 40 or 45,000 people, all right? Now, we have, a, we have a fair sized church family and ministry here at Rosewood, but sometimes, sometimes I have felt like saying, you know, Lord, I have, I have worked very, very hard as a pastor for many years. And how come? How come we don't have a church congregation of 10,000 or 20,000 or 40,000 people? And then, and then I remind myself, I remind myself to be grateful for what we do have. Amen? And, and often I pray. I pray for those really large churches and their pastors because I know how difficult it is to lead a moderate-sized church congregation like ours. And I, I can honestly say I rejoice. I rejoice over the fact that some congregations have grown into thousands. And sometimes I'll hear somebody, somebody um, criticizing a certain pastor of some of these large churches, and, and I'll lovingly say, listen, listen, listen. Rejoice, rejoice over the fact that, that they have 10,000 or 20,000 or 40,000 people. Listen, don't, don't criticize. Isn't this wonderful that that many people are going to that church to hear the gospel uh, every week, whether it's on Saturday service or Sunday services, whatever the case might be. Amen? All right. I'm giving you some helps for overcoming jealousy. Here's another one. Here's another one, point D. Write down all the positive and the good things about yourself, okay? Because a lot of times people who get jealous uh, about others, a lot of times it's people who just aren't feeling positive and, and good and gracious about themselves. So we, we can take some action to, to, to help ourselves, all right? Um, point E, point E, pray and ask the Lord to give you victory over jealousy. Pray and ask the Lord. If this is an issue for you, uh, we can take some action ourselves, such as uh, responding to some of the suggestions I've said. But ultimately, we need the Lord's help. We need the Lord's help. And if this matter of jealousy is a real big issue for you, um, you go to, if you go to one of the local libraries and look under jealousy, you'll find some other excellent books that really give a lot more details as to how you can, you can be helped, all right? Or you can turn to the internet and find, I, I, I turned to the internet and did some reading there and I was amazed how much material is available. So the bottom line is Joseph's brothers had a terrible problem with jealousy. And you and I, you and I maybe sometimes face the same problem, but with the Lord's help, we can be victorious. Amen? There's a second truth I want to draw your attention to from Joseph's life today, and it is this. Let's experience and enjoy victory over rejection. Victory over rejection. We see how Joseph was rejected by his brothers to the extent 
that they were even willing to kill him. We read of this in verses 18 through 24. They were willing, they were willing to kill him, and then they decided they would throw him into the cistern or the pit, all right? And it's obviously terrible, but I mean, this is how serious their rejection was of him. The Bible is filled with examples of people who overcame abuse and rejection. Uh, for example, Leah, L-E-A-H, Leah experienced rejection from her father Laban, her sister Rachel, and her husband Jacob. Samson experienced massive rejection through Delilah's betrayal. Even Noah, Noah was mocked by the whole world for building an ark. What do you want to build an ark for, Noah? Who told you to build the ark? God did. What for? I don't know. God just told me to do it. Stephen, the first martyr in the New Testament church, faced rejection to the point of death. Probably all of us here have experienced the reality that one of the most painful experiences in life is rejection. And if I, if I were to ask the question, you know, put your hand, I won't do this, but if I were to ask, would you put your hand up if you have experienced rejection? Almost, almost everyone here, almost every radio listener or internet listener would probably have to put their hand up, all right? Now, hopefully, you have never been thrown into a cistern that is a pit, as happened to Joseph. But most of us have gone through or are going through some rejection even now. Perhaps you grew up feeling rejected by your father or mother or by a grandparent. Can I just say this? Almost all mothers, fathers, and grandparents love their children and grandchildren deeply. All right? That's the reality. If ever, if ever you were rejected, unfortunately, it was probably because of one of the following reasons, or maybe multiple reasons that I might mention, and maybe some other reasons that come to your own mind. So s stick with me. And I believe this, this, this is going to help some of you. All right? Some of the reasons that people have felt and do feel rejected are these. A, alcohol and or drug abuse. Sometimes parents and grandparents get hooked on alcohol and non-prescription drugs. Their lives are so controlled by the alcohol and drugs that they, they don't give much attention to the child, and you interpret, you have interpreted their lack of attention as rejection. Your hurt has been real. It has not been imaginary, it is real. 
And I, I am so sorry as your pastor that you have perhaps gone through that kind of hurt. And some of you are still going through that pain. Can I suggest, can I suggest that you, you turn your pain into some gain? Stick with me. Turn your pain into some gain. And here's what I mean. Turn your, your pain into some gain by realizing that a lot of your rejection came, came from your parents' messed up life with alcohol and or drugs. Decide, decide, decide not to have anything to do with alcohol or, or, or drugs so that if you have children, they will not repeat the cycle. Does that make sense? Turn, turn your pain into gain by saying, hey, this really caused a lot of, a lot of pain in, in, in our family, and, and, and let me learn from that, and let me turn the pain into gain and say, I am not going to have any kind of involvement with alcohol or with, with non-prescription drugs because I see how it messed up our family. All right? Here's another reason why sometimes children have grown up feeling rejected by their parents or grandparents. Sometimes it's been depression. Depression. Sometimes a father or a mother or both parents end up suffering depression. Now usually a person will get over their depression in a few weeks or a few months, usually. Occasionally, with a few people, the depression can go on for years, even with the very best professional medical treatment. And what sometimes happens is that when a parent becomes absorbed in coping with severe depression, his or her children can start to feel neglected, which can be interpreted as rejection by the child or the children. Are you with me now? All right? And if you grew up with a parent who struggled with depression, as your pastor, I am so sorry that that happened. I, I'm so sorry because you, you've experienced, unfortunately, extra pain in your journey because of that. And, and, and I want to try to help you understand that your depressed parent did not mean, he or she did not, or they, did not mean to make you feel rejected. They probably loved you as much as I love my own children, but because of the depression that they struggled with, then they had a tough time getting over it for whatever reasons. It resulted in you feeling rejected. Here's another cause of Rejection. Leaving your children in the care of someone else for long periods of time. Many, many of you were originally born in the Caribbean or in Guyana, Central America, or, or some other country. 
Years ago, especially years ago, it was fairly common for a young father or a young mother to, to leave, to leave their island or country of origin and go to England, Canada, or the United States to, for example, become a nurse or to get a job with the intention of bringing their children to the land of promise as soon as possible. Uh, when young parents when young parents left their island or country, they often left their children in the care of, of who? That's right, in the care of a grandmother, grandparents, or in, the, or in the care of an auntie, an aunt. And usually a parent meant to be separated from her children for only a few months, or maybe only intended to be away six to 12 months at the most. Unfortunately, unfortunately, sometimes the separation turned out to be three years, five years, ten years, or on occasion more. And, and some kids grew up, some kids grew up with their grandparents or with their aunt being, uh, being very normal and being very understanding. Some kids grew up fine, being very normal, very understanding. I remember one young man, I remember one young man now in his 20s telling me of how his, his mom had to come to Canada and, and, and uh, he was separated from his mom for a lot of years. I think it was over 10 years. And, 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 how, and how he really missed his mom. But as he looked back now, he said, he said, you know, I... I, I really appreciate the sacrifice my mom, my mom made because she did what she did for the benefit of our family long term, long term. And, and so with that young man, he, he saw it that way. He saw it that way. Other children, however, have, have interpreted their, their mother's or father's absence for several years as rejection even though that's not how the parents intended it to be. And so if, if you are a grown-up son or daughter who felt rejected on account of your parent leaving you in the care of someone else for long periods of time, I, I am sorry. I, I am sorry. And, and my, heart, my heart goes out to you, you know, and, and I, see, I, I, see, um, I see my little five-year-old grandson and my three, almost three-year-old granddaughter, and I see how, you know, how much they need their mother, and they're so connected. Uh, they just, they, they run to mom for everything, okay? Um, I want to say to you, don't, don't, sh don't, don't shut out your mother or your father. Don't shut them out of your life because of, of the rejection you felt growing up. Try to understand that your mother or father meant well. They meant well. They probably did their best in the circumstances in which they found themselves. Pastor Lisa, am I making sense here? Right? Now, in general, I want to say, parents, 
I have learned that it is usually best not to leave your kids in the care of someone else, whether it's grandparents or aunties, how wonderful they might be. It's usually best not to leave your kids in the care of someone else while you go away to another country for several years, even, even when it is for a very good reason. It just seems too easy for children to feel rejected. Too easy. Here's another cause of the feeling of rejection. Some of these, I'm sure, have come to your mind. Uh, D, applying to a specific school and not being accepted. Or applying for a particular job and not being hired. Right? E, having your heart set on, a, on, a, on dating a particular man or woman only to be turned down, only to be told, get lost, buster. You know, uh, I'm not interested in you, sweetheart. Right? You know what that's about. Uh, here's another more serious point of rejection, F. Being married, being married, and having your husband or wife tell you that they are leaving you especially when it comes as a big surprise to you. Here's another one, G, prejudice. Prejudice often causes people to feel rejected. Some of you have struggled with feelings of rejection because people were, people were prejudiced against you. As most of you know, I am an immigrant to Canada. My family and I moved to Toronto from Greece when I was a child. And especially when I was in grades one to six, I, I experienced quite a bit of rejection from some other children, simply because when I first came to Canada and went to school, I could not speak English. And then when I learned to speak and write English, some of the kids at school and in our neighborhood, south of Pape and Danforth, still, they still made fun of me just because I was born in another country. And, and I didn't wear the coolest clothes. And I, uh, I didn't wear the latest running shoes. I was just grateful to have shoes, period. Didn't matter what brand as long as they would stay on my feet, you know? Um, now, I didn't, let, I didn't let the rejection and prejudice which I felt as a child destroy me. Instead, the rejection and prejudice I felt motivated me to become a better child, a better youth, and a better adult. Now, you, you might say, well, in what way, Pastor Nick? Like, how did that happen? Well, the rejection I felt as a child caused me to say something like this. It caused me to say, I, Nick Stavropoulos, I 
will not, I will not be mean and unkind to someone just because they can't speak English yet. You know, they can't speak English yet. Or, or, or just because they are from a different race or a, a different culture or a different country or, or they dress differently or they eat different foods or, or they are poor as we were growing up. So the rejection I felt as a child also motiv motivated me at school to, to study very hard. It motivated me as, to study very hard, to, to earn high marks, so that when the teacher handed back the tests or assignments, and, and kids who made fun of me asked, asked uh, you know, what I got on the test, I could hold up the test paper, and I could say, well, you asked what I got? Well, here it is, I got 10 out of 10. You know, or here, I got 24 out of 25. What'd you get? <laughs> All right? And in a sense, in my own little way, I was kind of showing kids who rejected me that, that um, maybe they thought I was stupid, but I was earning some of the highest marks in my class. I wasn't trying to, sh I wasn't trying to show off. I was just inspired to do my very best. And I studied hard as a kid. Uh, my parents didn't speak English well, very well, so they really couldn't help me at home. So I basically did it on my own. By the way, there's nothing wrong with parents helping children um, with, with their homework, you know, just as long as you don't do it all for them, of course. Uh, so over the years, you know, when my kids were growing up, sometimes, sometimes you know, they would have a show and tell time at school. And, um, and I would go to, you know, the parents' night out or, or that. And sometimes when I saw the projects that some of the kids did, <laughs> I used to laugh. I, you know, I used to, you know, these are like grade three or grade four kids. I used to look at the projects. Now, Ruth was a teacher here. And, and, and sometimes I'd look at the project, projects and I thought, no grade three or four here, three or four uh, student did, did that. The, par the parents had some major involvement here. And anyway, they meant well. Okay. Um, uh, anyway. Um, um, I, I, I don't know, by the way. I, I, don't, I don't know if schools still do this. I should probably ask my son, who's, who's a teacher, grade eight teacher at a Whitby school. I, I don't know if, and there are other teachers here too. I don't know that schools still do this, but when I was in grade school, the principal had a big assembly. They had a big assembly at the end of the school year, and the principal and the teachers handed out all kinds of awards. Do they still, still do that? Yeah. yeah, okay. They handed out all kinds of awards, you know, little, little crests that you could sew on your sweater, and, and big crests, and trophies, and certificates. And e each year, each year, I was fortunate to have my name called. They'd, they'd call out this little boy, Nick Stavropoulos, Nick Stavropoulos, Nick Stavropoulos, several times to get whatever awards I, I had earned. And, and to be honest with you, I was probably tempted to parade my awards in front of the students who rejected me. You know, and to say, how come? How come you didn't get any awards? 
Uh, do you see my 10 awards? Or whatever it was, you know. What, what I'm saying, my friends, what I'm saying is I turn my pain of rejection into gain, okay? I, I studied and worked harder than a lot of the other students, and in a sense, I was saying to those who rejected me, I was saying, guys, I'm not the idiot you think I am and that you try to make me out to be, all right? And I can't remember if it was in grade five or six, uh, it was one or the other, I think it was grade five or six, that I won the school wrestling championship for my weight division, okay? It's hard for you to believe this, I know. But after that victory, after that victory, I probably wanted to go to those guys who rejected me and to say, you know, guys, I'm not the wimp you guys think I am. All right? Turn your pain into gain. Amen? Joseph persevered through the jealousy of his brothers. Joseph also overcame the rejection of his brothers. I'm sure many of you have thought of this too. Jesus also persevered. Jesus persevered through the jealousy of people in his day. Many were jealous of Jesus' great teaching. They said, who is this that is teaching some great, so many great truths? And then there were others, and unfortunately religious leaders, who were jealous of his miracle-working power. And some of them even complained that he healed people on the Sabbath. Jesus knew what it was, what it was like to be rejected. And there came the day when Judas rejected Jesus. And in fact, Peter and all the disciples rejected him. And the crowds cried out, crucify him, crucify him. So Jesus understands, Jesus the Son of God understands rejection very well. For he experienced it on earth. Jesus can help you and me, can help us overcome, overcome jealousy, and he can help you heal from your scars of rejection. You've been trying to bury them, and those scars continue to be there, and sometimes they surface big time and you wonder what's happening the good news is my friends Jesus can help can help you overcome the scars of rejection Jesus understands Jesus was ultimately rejected to the point that he was crucified on the cross of Calvary. But even there, 
his pain turned out to be gain for you and me. For his pain on the cross paid the price for your sins and mine. So that now you and I can be forgiven of our sins, cleansed of our sins, and you and I can receive his spirit and receive the promise of heaven. Not because you or I, not because we're good enough, not because we've earned enough brownie points, but because he loves us and because he understands what it means to be rejected. And instead of rejecting us, he says, come, come unto me, come to me, and I will give you rest, says Jesus. Today, I want to encourage you whether it's been an issue of jealousy or whether it's been a struggle caused by rejection, I want you to feel free to take some moments to pray, kneeling or standing around this altar. Take some moments to pray and say, you know, Lord, I, I want to experience victory I need to experience full victory. Whether it's jealousy, whether it's rejection, I, I need victory. And, and by the way, if for some reason up until this point in your life you've been rejecting Jesus, you yourself have been rejecting Jesus, Make this the day when you say, Jesus, I will no longer reject you, but rather, today I profess my faith and trust in you, Jesus, and I ask you to forgive me of my sins, and I want to start a relationship with you, and I want to grow in this relationship with you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, you know what we've talked about today. You know what we've learned from Joseph. And I pray that you would help each one of us with victory, to experience victory, whether it's in regards to matters of jealousy, or whether it's in regards to overcoming rejection. I pray that you would help each one in accordance with their need and their situation. Thank you. Thank you for welcoming us and not rejecting us. Thank you for saying to us, I love you, and I want to have a relationship with you. I want us to be friends. And I want you to someday live in heaven with me. 
And so, Lord, may you help each one of us to respond in whatever way is appropriate for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.